Oh, hello and welcome to the FSF and Tapestry podcast. I'm Jules and today I'm joined by my colleague Jack and our guest Kieran Satie. Hi, Kieran. Hi, Jules. Hi, Jack. Well, I'm going to start by asking you to introduce yourself. So I wonder if you can tell us a bit about yourself and your journey in education so far. Uh, yeah, okay. So I've been teaching for, I think it's 10 years now, which scares me because that's, that's a, a long time. Um, I've taught in five different schools across the key stages in early years so I'm very grateful the experience I've had um passion is English it always has been so my degree was in English um, and then I did my PGCE and that's led me to lead English and become a reading lead at my current school and the primary trust literacy lead um, and I'm also the women ed regional leader and I run the book club I also review books for Tiny Owl and I do projects with Justin Martin as well so I'm a little bit obsessed with Wow. Yeah. A lot of things. It's busy. <laughs> it's a lot of roles to be juggling. Yeah, it's I think passion. I don't know about you, but it's that's what gets you through, really, isn't it? It's the passion that you have for it. Um, but I think with education, it's the case of that it empowered me when I was younger and it enabled me to stay curious. So I'm very much about asking questions. Um, and that's what I want for every child that would come into my classroom or whoever, whatever the school is I'd like that to be something that would be facilitated through me hopefully. Brilliant um, so uh, how can we reimagine the canon of classics that have uh, been ingrained in literature and education? I think it's um, been self-aware before anything else so if I think about it from a classroom perspective it's thinking about well who's in my class thinking about the cultures the heritage the diversity that we have are the books in the classroom representative of that? So would the child be able to see themselves in those stories? Um, and there's nothing wrong with the classics. It's not that we're saying that, but it's if that's always going to be the diet for children, it doesn't really, the whole point of literature is to open the world up for them, but it's also a case of that they need to see themselves in that world as well in order for them to see their potential with something. So I think it's about being self-aware um, and also the idea of sort of just, researching I think we're good at that as teachers um, and going to the leaders as well and asking those questions do you know of certain books or have you come across certain books I think talking about books and being aware of what's out there is really important as well um, but I think it's also about being brave but you, you need to be brave and sort of rock the canon of it so when I started my English lead role one of the first things I did want to do was make sure that in every classroom there was a canon of books for children that were in that school. Um, so we still have things like Peter Rabbit in early years and we still have Lewis Carroll and we, we still have all of that stuff. And Jack, I don't mean to be, but there's a lot of white men authors that were there. And oh, it was yeah, you don't have to apologise. <laughs> it's true. I don't want to offend. No. Um, so it was, I think it was about being brave and sort of just saying it is what it is, but we need to make sure that there's there's other cultures, there's got, there's got to be more representation. So it's about being brave and having that conversation I was very lucky at that school. I did just get a lot of money and they did just let me spend it. Um, and so the story escapes culture that we have. So in every class in the trust now, I'd like to think, um, I'm sure it is. Um, <laughs> so at some point during the day, every day, there'll be a story being read to the children. So it's not only sort of, you know, modelling good fluency for them, but it's a case of like, it's an escape into another world or another culture. Um or is it just another like being of existence, really, isn't it? It's the magic of a story. 
So that's what we have. We have a canon of stories within the classes and they're linked to the themes and things like that. And we're very much about cultural capital as well, making sure that whatever stories are there is capitalising on not just that one culture, not just Eurocentric culture, lots of cultures. Um, I hope that answered the question. Brilliant answer. Just as a thought I had when you first started um, answering was, it's amazing how many times we get the same advice, similar advice from people that we talk to, Jules, and I think you'll agree when it's, um, and it's be brave for teachers to be brave. And I think, obviously having worked in schools before and teachers listening now, I think we'll agree it can so easily get, you can easily get stuck in this kind of status quo. And that happens with the books in your classroom and you don't, and you know, because you've got so many other things to think about as well. You might just think the books are in my book corner, you know, we're reading them, but you just don't always ask those very critical questions that you just went over. And I think, you know, that be brave thing comes up a lot and it's just so important. I, I do see it actually becoming more prominent. I think now people are being way more critical about this kind of stuff, you know, are my books diverse and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Something absolutely. else. Kieran, that struck me as you were talking was um, thinking about that work that you're doing in primary education. So my my daughter is just um, in year 11. So she's in her GCSE year. So she's very much the last two or three years hit that kind of syllabus stage where there is a set syllabus and you're working towards your exams at the end. And, and as you were talking, I was really reflecting on that and thinking, do, do you think as well that, that primary is such an important space to explore Absolutely. You know, rocking the canon because of, of the, the set classics that we all have always that are so ingrained and shouldn't be, because by the time you do hit that secondary, slightly older phase, it does just sadly that the syllabus is still. I know we're, there's there's action to try and change that as well. But at the moment, it still funnels funnels into that Eurocentric again, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, very, it's yeah, stagnant, definitely. But I, I think it is that it's it's so much work would have to be undone, really, wouldn't it? That because a lot of the syllabus and a lot of the is tied to those texts, and it's been like that for years and years and years. But I think it's what I've noticed, especially in secondary education, is that the students are speaking up a bit more as well. So, of mice and men is becoming quite a an interesting book to discuss. Um, but it's almost like the, because the students are more self aware. And seem to be having more agency as well in sharing their views. It's a case of it sort of needs to be done because at the end of the day, we're serving the children regardless of what stage they're at in school. It's 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 about their future. That's what we're there for. Um, So I think, yeah, it's it's important. But I think even in thinking about like the literary classics, like in, in degrees as well, I think there's still a certain and I think when you think about cultural capital and literary heritage or whose heritage are we sharing why are we just sharing that one why is there why is it still sort of sort of up there when actually there's there's a rich range of diverse texts out there which actually are going to broaden anyone's horizons because they'll have a better understanding of each other so I mean my my pet hate is um I mean don't judge but like why cigars I say I don't think gets enough airtime in terms of like a literary classic but when you think about what it's about and how it comes from Jane Eyre and the story of Mr. Roger and the rest of it, you, it it's very obvious why. Um, but I think it's we need to be braver in a lot of the sectors, really, if we're going to make the change that we need to see for the children. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I think that might link a bit to our next question, actually, because um, I know that you've I've seen that you've written before about um, neuroplasticity. And I wondered if you could explain that concept and how diversifying the narrative in our classrooms can have a powerful impact. In its simplest form, so it was Gina Rippon who's written about it. Um, I've been writing a chapter for a book that will be coming out next year and <laughs> the chapter I got was about marriage and I did ask Hannah Wilson, I was like, why are you asking me to write about marriage? She was like, go from the stance of fairy tales, go from that stance and you know, you know that you're passionate about it and I'm not against marriage or anything like that. Um, I don't have experience of it or anything so I was like, okay, Hannah, well, I'll go with this. Um, but it was when I was doing my research, neuroplasticity came up in the sense that when we think about 19th century um, century literature and all of the fairy tales that were there, it was almost like they were backing up the science of the time. So women had smaller brains, apparently, because they were smaller. And therefore, there was only certain things that they were able to do. And Charles Darwin had... Yeah, I've quoted this, we don't know how I feel about Charles Darwin, um, that an unmarried woman is basically a risk to society. So there, there was lots of stuff there at that time. And then these fairy tales were out at that time. So if that's what you're feeding the young girls of that, and it's, I mean, I'm going to patriarchy and the rest of it, but I won't, but it's a case of like a lot of these stories have sort of just carried on. And then 1950s Disney, when you look at Snow White, we won't go into too much detail because I'll get very helpful about it. <laughs> <laughs> But there's, there's just so many messages there that actually, oh my goodness, this scared, it's scary because by the time a child is five, that's sort of like the brain is multiple. So from zero to five, that's like the, the that's multiple for a child. And when I was uh, in early years, you sort of saw the impact of not changing perceptions or at least giving them alternative ways to think because it, I'll always remember when I was in early years and there's the home area and the construction area and you know what I'm about to say boys were always in construction and the girls were always in the home corner and there's nothing wrong with that but it was a case of when I did my research and it, it started to link together that there's certain parts of the brain that can't develop if you're not playing in a certain way so girls still need to be in the construction area but it seems to be quite a boy zone um so what I did I like made it so that the boys would have to go into the home corner sometimes and give that space for the girls because the girls didn't want to go in that space because they, they didn't feel safe in it so again it was like well why don't they feel safe it's because the boys are behaving in a certain way and there's nothing wrong with that but then we need to balance that out with the fact that they do need to be a bit more nurturing they do need to be a bit kinder when they're speaking to each other and the interactions that they're having um and then it was that that became a thing then that the expectation is that yes go where you want to because it's early years and it's children's interest but then I just wondered what well, if that's the only interest they've been given to look at that's that's all they're ever going to do so it was a case of questioning what I knew questioning what they were doing why were they doing it um and then yeah and so like the girls became more confident but then that links to when you're older and that's there's this myth about women and spatial awareness and driving there is some truth in that because if we weren't playing with Lego when we were younger or remote control cars and the rest of it there's certain parts of our brain that didn't develop back then so it's going to have a knock-on effect and impact when we're older because it wasn't developed. So neuroplasticity in its simplest form is seeing the brain as multiple at a younger age. Um, but then the importance of understanding that is knowing where to go with diversifying, not just the experiences of the children, but then looking at books as well. So what stories are we giving them? And fairy tales are lovely, like the story language and repeating patterns and everything is brilliant. 
but there are very strong messages in those stories as well that the boys as well as the girls are taking account of and then when you get to the age of six and there's that confidence gap between the girls and the boys well if girls are only ever expected to look pretty or look a certain way they're not going to want to take the risks and it's things like you know wearing skirts and wearing trousers a lot of young girls when they start at school will wear skirts and therefore you think about modesty and they don't climb and the rest of it so I made a point when I started climbing I climbed in heels for the first time so because it was the point of what that's what I've been growing up in I'll I'll climb in them and you know it's that it's about smashing those stereotypes and being that role model probably wasn't the most you know appropriate thing to share with my children at the time in class that you can climb in heels but it was a point that it shouldn't stop you nothing should be able to stop you I don't know if I've answered that question I feel like I've just gone off on one no you you answered it I I feel it's answered definitely Um, and definitely building on on what you just said there a bit more into fairy tales so why do you why do we need to read alternative fairy tales with young children um okay so if I ask you the question what if Cinderella didn't go to the ball what could happen mm. instead so instead of Cinderella is a book that's come out um a couple of years ago where it looks at that so she didn't go to the ball but she fixed the prince's ice rocket what if Rapunzel was the one who saved the prince rather than him climbing the hair she climbed his beard so I think it's about, I think it's changing perceptions more than anything else. And it's about asking, well, what if, and being open to that curiosity of well, what else could have happened in that story. Um, and I think it's training the children to see that there are other alternatives to just that one ending that seems to be the thing with a lot of the fairy tales that it's a happily ever after and it's a marriage. But when we're older, what does that actually mean? Because it's not that we're feeding a lie or anything like that, but it's always very it is what it is it's like that's that's the that's the way for happiness for a girl apparently and it isn't it's thinking about their passions it's thinking about well how do we evoke passions why haven't we got more girls in stem so a lot of the newer fairy tales that are out so instead of cinderella she's an engineer um reading beauty it's based in like a space age with like robots and stuff so she's still like you know disney princess beauty and the beast but she's she's got her own agency there and she's reading to save the people rather than save a, a beast mm. um so I think it's it's about again being brave but it's those variations of the story that's already been and being brave to see well what if that happened instead and that's curating curiosity that's what we want for our children we want them to think for themselves it's very much like you should be questioned just because you're the class teacher or the leader it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be questioned and it's it's training that in them that it's yeah what else could have happened what if this happened what if that didn't happen um, and sort of turning it on its head a bit yeah so, so I think this whole area is just so interesting I mean the first thing I'm thinking of is you know when I used to teach year six one of the main skills which is which is on the curriculum so it's something that we want them to learn is is um writing from different points of view mm-hmm. and that's exactly what what that is and I used to do this exercise all the time I didn't use um uh, those examples like Rapunzel I don't think um but it's just taking a well-known story and it's written from the point of view of your main character and then just choosing a different character and writing it from that and that's a really important skill for children to learn anyway and you can use it to teach that kind of lesson as well which is which is great so I don't know why anyone wouldn't be doing that um the other thing that I wanted to say was the, the the kind of fairy tales versions that we know now are should be considered dated really 
because those versions are old now. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> and if you think like changing a fairy tale's message isn't a isn't a new thing. Those versions that we know now, ninety nine percent of them aren't the versions that are written originally. You know, the original Little Red Riding Hood, written in the late 1700s or something isn't it and mm-hmm. you know grandma gets eaten by the wolf in the end mm-hmm. of that gone and that's not the version that we tell children nowadays so you know it, changing that kind of message from those stories isn't a new thing mm-hmm. so it only stands to reason that we've got all these amazing new um fairy tales like, that you mentioned now which sound just brilliant and i'm definitely going to go um look them up after this i think ones that what is really good that i love sharing with the children especially in year two because they've got the sense of humor by then is um little red and it's where basically little red eats the wolf at the end and she has there you go. Yeah. at the end of it and it is it's it's it is dark yeah <laughs> it's i think it's that it just proves the point that like what would have happened if little red wasn't little red riding hood um, and then that links in with like there's poems out now like fierce fairy tales by <laughs> very tight um probably won't share that with you too but you might want to share it with your six because like yeah when you think about different perspectives and writing from different viewpoints and it, it also builds in empathy as well i mean i'll always remember international days ago when i had um my year fives a few years ago now and it was a really simple activity and i asked the boys didn't ask the girls because the girls were quite um feisty anyway so we knew what they would say <laughs> Um, but the, it was the boys. I was like, so when you think of the word girl, what comes across? What what do you think of? And I was a bit shocked by what they said. So it was like hairspray, L'Oreal, perfume, um, Barbie, pink, fluffy. I was like, whoa. And the girls, I was like, <laughs> it was like, it's very two-dimensional. And I think mm. that's, that is the risk when we think about these, fairy, these dated fairy tales. Mm. Because when you think about like you know the way that we're socializing and you know what's being advertised and toys that are like the toy situation is getting better yeah but there's so many knock-on effects of perception of, of what they're perceiving to be as it's a gendered thing as well gender is a societal construct it isn't it's it's almost what it's been put onto us um so then when I had that conversation with the boys it was almost like they were taken aback so I was like so why do you think that when you think of a girl because it was very dehumanizing because they weren't thinking about a human being. They, they, was, they were, you could, it was obvious they were just thinking about an image. Um, and again, there's, you know, there's, there's worries with that in terms of perception again. Um, but then by the end of it, so it was a 25 minute conversation. And by the end of it, it you know, the, the perception had changed. So it was like, well, they can be footballers. And then it was that question, well, why aren't footballers that are women getting paid the same as men who are football? Why isn't that a thing? So it was like, you know, equal pay and the rest of it came into the conversation. And I thought those are the things that we do need to be aware of when we're younger because boys have got just as much agency as the girls in this. And with Women Ed, one of the things that we were hoping for, um, it, we were going to have an event this week, but obviously we thought it'd be wise to postpone it because of the, the COVID rates and stuff. But it was that, it was... I mean, women and it, it seems very exclusive to women, but it isn't. It's for men as well. And it is that thing like this time round when we were um, sort of saying the values again, we want the men to be part of the conversation because if, they, if they're not part of the conversation, they're not necessarily hearing the stories that we're sharing, there isn't really going to be real change. So it's, again, it's that sort of opening up the conversation. I can't remember the question. You asked me now. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> it, was, it was just about the importance of alternative fairy tales. So that's, you know, that's what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. Really. So it's that, it is, it's, it's having 
it's almost like being aware of their perceptions as well because I was I was really taken aback by the boys in the class they know what I was like in terms of like you know I had Michelle Obama in one of the days and you know it's all talking and I thought even with that they still seem to have a very fixed and it is a perception and perceptions can be changed of what a girl is and it, it just it worried me so I thought if, they, if no one's going to question that and they're year, they're year five they're ten year old so We've, we've sort of moved past neuroplasticity here like it's sort of some of this has already been ingrained in them mm. um, and then when they get to secondary school and things like that it's all well, how are you perceiving girls because they are equal to you but if you're only seeing them as two-dimensional then it's going to be hard for you to empathize in certain ways and um, it's going to be hard for you to understand in certain ways as well so it, yeah it's just I think it's just it's really important and we need to be brave and start it early I think um, as you've been talking, Kieran, I've been thinking about that trajectory that you've almost built for us there as you've been talking of, of right back to the early years and, the, and, and how, how through story, if we're not looking at alternative fairy tales, but we're looking at traditional fairy tales, um, how through story, children, are, you know, story so important in building your own self and social narrative. And that if, you, if you're reading stories that don't broaden that in any way and only stick to that two-dimensional, exactly that, that by the time you're reaching year five and 10-year-olds, it's so set. And then, of course, I mean, you touched on it. You've also then got all the films, that that whole franchise that has come out of those old fairy tales, um, you know, that, that are just so set in stone. And then and then again, you, you brought in as well that kind of from that franchise comes all the merchandise, all the toys, all the costumes, the dressing up, the, doesn't it? You know, and that can, you know, and all of that is actually happening in the early years, isn't it? I mean, it. so it, you've explained so well that unless you blast that out of the water and change it, then it, then it, then by the time you get to, to be 10 years old, all of those things are, those connections have already been made and are much harder to break. Exactly that. And I think it's, and I think you touched on it as well. It's about the story that they're telling themselves. It sort of explains the confidence gap because if girls are equating themselves to like perfection and what does that look like rather than what it should feel like, like confidence is a feeling. It's not, can't, it, it comes from within. But if you're only ever giving the messages of you need to look a certain way or in, when you, you're equating it to a version of perfection or somebody else's perception of perfection as well. And I think it's, that is a trait within women, it seems, that perfectionism as well. Like, it, it doesn't necessarily seem to be, again, Jack, I don't want to repeat. No, honestly, it's fine. <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be one of um, men because they tend to take more risks anyway because it's it, it, that has been ingrained in them, like it's okay to take risks. Um, and it's almost like, oh, well, girls shouldn't take risks. Well, why shouldn't they take risks? Where does that come from? Because it, it limits them. Um, so, and you know it's limiting a lot of other things as well in terms of like how we want to move forward as a society it's it's it, again i've i've had these kind of conversations with people before where we're talking about how do you teach children about such complex things like uh gender identity and things like that and they're saying and you know people are people are quite adamant saying you can't teach them they're too young to understand that kind of thing and it's like no one's asking you to sit down and have a just a face-to-face conversation with a four-year-old about gender identity that's not how it works 
but it does work through things that you've just mentioned, like through story, which is one of the main things. And it's just about representation in things that you use. And, you know, I think that I think that's the bit that's misunderstood about this. People think it's just this gargantuan thing that you can't tackle and it, it will be what it will be. And people will get to 10, all the dead right, they'll be set. But I think, if you know, spreading that message of actually you can you can put these messages across in a different way um, is important. So, yeah, I think I think, I think alternative fairy tales are set out to do just that aren't they yeah definitely and I think it's a yeah again it is it's about um but sort of having those conversations I think is a starting point as well isn't it because if they don't know how or because it is it seems quite a big thing and it's a new thing as well it's like these conversations are really important as well because I'm sure you probably changed some sort of their mindset by having that conversation that it's not going to be like a formal like lecture about gender identity with a four-year-old it's the fact is we like as humans as beings we connect through story like if you look back at it through all the ages it's through story that we connect so it's again it's like what stories are we sharing with the children they connect to each other on a it's it's right being human at the end of it and I think it's gender identity is quite an interesting subject and it's a social construct and then in the next 10 years is it going to look like something else anyway like it is it's something that keeps changing so it's mm. I'm very wary of like it isn't fixed it shouldn't be fixed um because then that narrows potential and perceptions it's it's almost like you need to ungender things really it's it's yeah it's about I don't know I think if people yeah it's I think with these stories like Raven Child in the Snow which is another one and Phoenix is another one that you can use with older children I wouldn't say Phoenix where Seth Said is a um, fairy tale but when you think about gender constructs so Bixer is if you didn't read it um, and you took out the pronouns and stuff you think Bixer was a boy and Lucky was a girl because Lucky's very sensitive and um, the family dynamics with him and his mom and it, he's just very sensitive and that comes through in the writing whereas Bixer is like properly fierce she's very scary it was interesting when we read that the boys felt that connection with Bixer the girl whereas the girls felt the connection with Lucky the boy and I thought that just says it all then so is it still that thing of like the, that not aggressiveness but that she she was dynamic as the character the boys were still connecting with that whereas the girls were still connecting with the empathy and the nurture and the emotions and what SSI was trying to do with that book was sort of say like boys can have these emotions as well so it, it's there are books out there but it's, it's it's almost like unmasking it and unpicking it and understanding the reason why these books are being written um, mm. and sort of enabling the children to see that as well but I just find it hilarious when the boys were like yeah we love Pixar I was like well yeah of course you'd love Pixar but what about Lucky <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah Kieran I was I wanted to ask you about whether you had any favourite fairy tale alternative fairy tales and what you love about them and you've mentioned a few I wondered if you could just mention them all together again and then if there was one that you hadn't mentioned yet that you wanted to talk about as well I mean you can see it's quite a lot of it yeah there's a lot more in my classroom though it's hilarious because it's, it's obvious it's my classroom because they're just there when you go in and Raven Child and Snow which is probably one of my favourites and um, just because of the fact it's it's about love it's about the power of love and it's not necessarily romantic love it's just love in the sense that it's when you love someone dearly it's that's the power that you'd need to save someone um but again like the language is beautiful as well so that's a really lovely one um and again it's like what Jack was saying so you know you can share these stories in the sense that you know they do hit some of the curriculum targets as well that we need to do but it's it's you know the 
individual things that they can do. So it's a case of like be really, you know, critical about what you're sharing and why you're sharing. Is there a message other than teaching something like a formal skill that you can give to the children um reading beauty is my like beauty and the beast like Belle is my favorite disney princess i feel like i need to say that um so i don't have like anything against fairy tales or anything like that um but reading beauty is really good because the main character is um yeah she's just got the agency and it's very much like she saves everybody through her love of reading through her passion of books and i think it's that it's that's what we want to nurture in the children what is it that you're passionate about what do you love to learn about that's that doesn't come down to gender at the end of it it comes down to them and what they want to do um and yeah and paved by princess I absolutely find hilarious at the end because again it it just it demystifies that idea of that she didn't look like a princess anymore therefore he didn't want to marry her so she was like well you can bog off then can't you and you know she rode onto the sunset by herself so it's um I think it, it's yeah so those sort of fairy tales and it's that, like Paper by Princess is on our that is one of our canon um texts because I do want that on there because it's a good story like there's repetition in there it's a good use of fairy tale language but the message is there as well it's, it's quite self-worth at the end of it and that doesn't come from appearance I mean she saved him from a dragon and he, that still wasn't good enough so it's you know go away <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, so we might have talked about this a little bit already, um, but how does literature empower young girls to move beyond equating worth with appearance and towards character and their own values? Yeah, so I think, the, yeah, so the alternative fairy tales that I've shared, um, and you've got Princess Marty Pants as well, and like she kisses him in the end and he turns into a frog, which is a prank, hilarious, it's like, <laughs> So her like the, her fate was there in the sense that it's what she wanted to do. She was the driver of her own destiny. I think it's that it's sort of like just when we're reading the stories to them, having that conversation with them as well afterwards. Oh, well, what was it that that character was passionate about? What was it that they really wanted to do? Um, and it's talking as them as like multi-dimensional characters. They can't just they're not just like on the surface. There's more to somebody. Um, so, yeah, I think it's that really sort of just sharing those stories and then unpicking them. Well, what, what are they telling us about the character? Not necessarily the, the ending or, you know, what it should be. What do you learn about that character? What comes through to you? I mean, it seems like, you know, the days that the crayons quit, like that's a hilarious story. And it's interesting because they all gendered them, the crayons as boys. Well, I was like, well, mate, the pink crayon is actually a boy as well. So there's a, an amazing YouTube video of it as well, where like the pink crayon has got a really gruff voice and <laughs> the children's face. Like, it, again, it's, it's little things like that. that you can't, it's not just about colours and that perception that they seem to have already it's then like finding ways of undoing that and you know sharing that different way of seeing it you know pink crane can have a gruff voice and you know pink crane can be used not just for disney princess colouring in sheets it's you know could be something else Mm. possibilities constant constant opening up of possibilities which is what education should be about really shouldn't it and I think that's what scares me something like you can't I don't understand why certain things are so fixed because it's we want them to quit that's the whole point of education from my point of view anyway it's that we're training them to think for themselves so they can make their own decisions for themselves and not be spoon-fed there's certain things you'd have to teach in terms of you know skill sets and things but at the education at the end of it it's meant to be about more than just what's in their books it's it's 
right the child that we're trying to you know hopefully enable when they're older yeah absolutely Kieran we've also touched on on our last question a bit but I still want to ask it because I think there'd probably be more you'd like to say about it which is in what way does literature nurture empathy compassion and understanding of others in children connect we connect through stories um and I think it's then I mean it's the thinking back to how the um canons were created for like so there, there weren't libraries in the school that, I, that was one thing that needed to be sorted and so like there's been themes that have gone through them um in the sense that kindness well what is kindness what does it look like um and there were a lot of books with animals being kind to each other which is lovely like tiny owl will do really great books it's a good plug they're a good publisher um so one of them's called fair shares and it's about um it's about like the animals sort of getting to know each other and understand what kindness means to them um yes it's in the form of sharing but basically the story is about equity at the end of it um but it, it's that conversation and that's the kindness that comes out of that story that they listen to each other um and then when we think about diversity and I had to be really critical of myself because it was only very recently that's what I haven't got any books in the libraries about disabled children mm. that's ableism there so you know it was like well, that's not good enough um so it's like I went out and I looked for those books as well and um, you know some children are deaf and they don't see themselves in stories some children are blind do we have braille and um, some children still are learning the language do we have dual coded books and it but then the dual coded books, some of them were like the fairy tales, so I was like, it's not what I wanted, but it is what it is. Um, so it, I think it's about, it's connecting through stories as humans and like thinking about Brené Brown and things like that, it's story, a lot of it is story, we connect through story, that's where you're going to build empathy, that's where you're going to build understanding, but if we don't share different stories from different perspectives, so like Cinderella, there's lots of versions of that from different cultures, so we have the one and when you think about Cinderella in its truest form, it is about being kind and strength comes from kindness, which I completely agree with. But then there's the Persian Cinderella, there's the Egyptian Cinderella, there's, there's different variations of that story and how kindness is shown through action. So it isn't just, it's not a character trait for a princess in a fairy tale. It's a character trait for everybody and how is it shown? But I think it's we have those a knowledge of those stories, sharing them, but then having that conversation afterwards, and um, because that's where the learning happens when that, and it's then giving the children ownership of that book. Like, well, what did they take from it? What did they learn from it? Um, and then how can they see themselves showing kindness? Is it through listening? Is it through the act of sharing? Is it through understanding? Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's been really careful about the books and, again, why why are we sharing that specific book or those books with the children? So it's I, it's always about themes with me when we think about... And because we think about Shakespeare as well, a lot of his plays, there's always, there's always a human theme there, whether it's, you know, greed or jealousy or love or whatever it is. So it's that, that's what I wanted to do with the library sets that, you know, we do have themes running like kindness and we do have themes running through diversity, but then diversity in what sense not just race and culture but there's other ways of being diverse as well and neurodiversity that's something that's come out quite new but then it's and you know when you think about adults and teams and stuff like that a lot of people tend to hire people that are the same as them so they think the same way but then it's not really a great way to move forward because you, you haven't got everybody's interpretation of the same thing um 
but yeah, I think it's 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 stories and they connect us. So that's how you're going to build empathy and that understanding when you've got including those stories of differences within your classroom. And I do go back to the classroom because that's where the that's where the magic is, isn't it? Um, if they see all of those stories are included, it's going to make it easier for them to understand how to include difference because difference does scare people. And I think as we get older as well, I've had that experience with racism and things like that because it's from fear. It's not through anything else. It is fear of the unknown. They don't. And especially when someone doesn't come across as a stereotype that they've been fed. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that. And it's almost like, well, you're not. That's exactly not what I thought of you. So it's it, it, that that comes from fear rather than love, doesn't it? And that it's that understanding and connection. But that's only going to start when you're sharing those different stories for them to be empathetic. Because at the end of it, we're, Human themes are human themes. We all feel the same thing. Um, but when you gender it and when you put them in boxes, it's going to be harder for you to empathise with each other. Mm. I think the uh, one of the most important things, as you mentioned, is that conversation you have afterwards. Because, you know, we'll all read a story and I think we'll all take something different from it. And that's not any different for children. When you read a story to your class every child in that class is going to take a different moral, I think. And I've had, I've had that conversation. I've said, you know, at the end of reading a story, what do you think the moral of that story is? And they've all given a different answer, you know, and if they don't hear their peers tell them a different way of, you know, how they interpreted it, how are they supposed to know the different way, you know? So I think, again, it's those conversations that are so important to have at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing for me is, I mean, I was an avid reader, as a child still am now but as a child and one of the things that I I was thinking about before the podcast Kieran was how um for me as a child reading I remember just entering another person's life through the book so the character or characters in the book I I totally immersed myself in that story and and then of course if you can do that and it's and it's got a, a richness and a wealth to it that that you can learn from you're, you're you're entering in fact the lives of many many people that you know a whole a whole life other than my own mm-hmm. and that's another really exciting thing for a child isn't it because it opens up um understanding of other people's experiences and worlds and lives that are not your own life at all and your own experience and you're mm-hmm. not living it but you're because it's not your lived experience but yeah. it, it is an imaginative experience that yeah. you can kind of somehow enter it they are quite egotistical. I will be honest about it. Like children are quite egotistical, so they, they do see it from you know their point of view. Yeah. And I love that in the sense that they're very adamant and they can be quite defiant sometimes, which I find is fine. But I think it's like Jack and you you've said, Julie, it's can I call you Jules? So don't remember because that's very right. Is that okay? Go for it. <laughs> um it's the case of like like, yeah, if they don't hear somebody else's version of the same event and then that's you know it's coming down to perceptions and their spectrum their view their lens um you're not going to be able to understand each other and it's they are they are children are egotistical they, they do they, you see it every day especially in early years like it is very much about what they want but to it's do a then. developmental milestone isn't it to, yeah, to move past yeah. that kind of thing so yeah exactly so it's if we can sort of nurture that earlier and nurture that in a way that because in classrooms as well it's one of the safest environments to do those sort of conversations and you know and ask those questions as well that that's got to be something that is nurtured in children whatever age they are um that they need to be asking like the expectation is i want you to be asking questions about this as well because otherwise they're 
I don't understand how we're creating a mind that will think for itself once yeah. they've left you, which is what that's what you want. That's the goal. Yeah. Goal. I think that's an excellent place to yeah. end the conversation. I could talk about it all day. I know. I was just going to say the same thing, Jeff. We could yeah. we could stay here for the rest of Saturday, couldn't we? Could, We're yeah. recording this on a Saturday today, unusually, but um, we can't do I'm that. Really grateful. Thank you. I am really grateful. Really grateful. <laughs> it's no, been brilliant, Kieran. Thank you. And, and I think we've now all got some um, books to go and investigate. I'm already uh, as soon as we I come, I'm going to go and Google some of those books and find out some more about them because they sound so exciting. So we're all and our listeners. Well, I'm sure we're going to have some books to go and, and find out about now if they don't already know about them so thank you so much for joining us Kieran thank you Kieran. Yeah, you're very welcome it was lovely meeting you both as well really really lovely